am a living dead man. We live, but yet we're dead. And the ideal is that we're dead to self, we're dead to sin, and we are dead to Satan. We no longer live for our own purposes. We no longer live with our own uh, views in mind. We live to honor and glorify God. When Paul is talking about this consecration here, giving our bodies as a living sacrifice, he's talking about living as a dead man, dead to self, dead to sin, dead to Satan, living for God. But again, it's inclusive. It is for every believer. This is God's Word to me. This is God's Word to you. If you're here tonight, say that I'm talking to you. God's Word is that brethren, give yourself to God as a living sacrifice. But you notice something else about the consecration. It is not only inclusive, but it's conclusive. For it is not only everyone, but it also involves everything. For he notice there, he talks about giving our bodies to the Lord. You'll find as you look in the Bible and you study what the Bible has to say about the body, and it says a whole lot about the body, the ideal is that once we give our bodies, and in so giving our bodies, we are actually giving everything. As someone has said, whatever has our body has us. We, all, we are a very flesh-controlled generation. We live by what the flesh wants. We live by fulfilling the desires of the flesh. But, if, whatever, if we give our bodies to God, what we're saying is that I am giving everything to God. I'm giving my wants to God. I'm giving my desires to God. I am giving everything to God. Now, this is what God wants. He wants a living sacrifice. You heard about the pig and the chicken that were walking down the road one day. And the chicken said to the pig, he said, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's open a restaurant. And the pig said, all right, what are we going to serve? And the chicken thought a moment and said, why don't we serve ham and eggs? And the pig looked at the chicken and said, for you that is a commitment, but for me that is a sacrifice. All right, some of you will catch that in a minute. Well, that's what God wants. It is a total commitment. Now, here's the argument. He is talking about it makes sense to serve God. Now, here's the argument why it makes sense to serve God. It makes sense to serve God in light of the fact that we are told to serve God. And the issue that every one of us faces tonight is, will I obey God? You see, God says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is God's word to me. This is God's word to you. And it is not a recommendation, it is a requirement. So the issue tonight is, will I obey God? Will I do what God tells me to do? He's told me to do something, now will I obey it? Now in light of the fact that it is a command of God, then would you not agree that it makes sense to serve God? For the only alternative to obedience is disobedience. If you do not do what God has told you to do, I don't care how you excuse it, it is disobedience in the eyes of God. And someone has said that the cost of obedience is nothing compared to the cost of disobedience. The children of Israel are a good example of that. You remember how they disobeyed God's plan? How they disobeyed God's orders? And the result was for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. And the generation, with the exception of two were forbidden to enter into the promised land. Every one of them died in the wilderness. I ran across some figures the other day that I had not heard or seen before. But you take the number of Jews that left Egypt on the Passover night, 
for every one of them to have died during the 40 years of wandering, it would have required a funeral every 20 minutes, 24 hours a day, 40 for 40 years. You see, the cost of disobedience is far more costly than the cost of obedience. I think of how many blessings we miss in our lives simply because we do not obey God. I read a story one time, I'm sure most of you have heard the name Norman Vincent Peale. I don't care a whole lot about his theology, but I was interested. His story he told about when he was a little boy. He was walking down the street one day and he found a cigar. He picked that cigar up and went into an alley and lit that thing up. And he said he's standing there in that alley puffing away on that cigar when his dad walked around the corner. He said, I put the cigar behind my mouth, and he said, my dad walked up, and he said, I pointed at a sign that was advertising a circus that was coming to town, and he said, I wanted to divert my dad's attention. I said, Dad, oh, Dad, can I go? Please, Daddy, will you let me go to the circus? And he said, my dad looked at me and said, Son, never make a petition while at the same time trying to hide a smoldering disobedience. Well, I want to say to you tonight that if we disobey God, we rob ourselves of the blessings of God. Now, would you not agree with me tonight? It's logical to serve God. Would you not agree that it makes sense to serve God because God has told us to live for Him? And if I do not live for Him, the bottom line is I am living in disobedience. And I am the one that is robbing myself. It just makes sense to serve God in light of the Word of God to us. Look at the second thing, and I've got to hurry. Not only does it make sense in light of the Word of God to us, but also in light of the work of God in us. For you notice in verse 1, he tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But notice again the first part. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now you see that phrase, by the mercies of God? That phrase connects us to the word therefore in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That phrase connects us to the word therefore. The word therefore connects us to the previous 11 chapters in the book. I once heard someone put it this way. One of the rules and laws of Bible interpretation is that whenever you find the word therefore, see what it is there for. And the word therefore connects us to all 11 chapters that precedes chapter 12. And those 11 chapters and that statement there, by the mercies of God, points to the work of God in the life of every believer. It is pointing back to God's redemptive work in the life of every child of God. And I look back over these chapters, I think of two things. One, I think of the blessings of our salvation. You read Romans chapter 1 through chapter 11, and it describes the blessings that we enjoy tonight that are saved. How many of you are saved tonight? Would you raise your hand? Romans 1 through 11 tell you some of the blessings of being saved. For example, it tells us what we were. As it is written, there is none righteous. It tells us not a one of us was righteous. It tells us that we had all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. It tells us what we were, but it tells us what we are that we are now justified by faith in Jesus Christ and we've been delivered from the wrath to come, Romans 5, 9. Tells us what we were, what we were. It tells us what we are. It also tells us what we have, that we have peace with God, that we're now no longer under condemnation. It tells us what we have. It is a story of how we were brought from condemnation 
to justification and ultimately to glorification. It talks about the blessings of being saved. And I read Romans chapter 1, verse through, Romans chapter 1 through chapter 11. I think of a statement that Winston Churchill made shortly after the blessing of London and appreciation to the Royal Air Force and how they heroically performed in there in the blessing of London. He made the statement that never in the history of mankind have so many owed so much to so few. And when I think about being saved, and as believers, I am reminded tonight, there are so many of us that owe so much to just one. And that one is Jesus Christ. We were lost without God, but now we've been declared righteous in the sight of God. There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, and nothing shall separate us from the love of God. We have been blessed tonight, and we owe it all to Jesus Christ. Winston Churchill, referring to him again when he was just a little boy, he nearly drowned. And the gardeners, he nearly drowned in the swimming pool, and the gardener's son saved his life. And the Churchill family was so grateful that they asked the gardener, what could they do for their son that had saved their son's life? And the gardener said, my boy wants to go to college one day, and my boy wants to go to medical school. And the Churchill family put the gardener's son through college and through medical school. Years later, when Churchill came down with pneumonia, the King of England sent out an order to get the best doctor available to take care of Churchill and to spare his life. And the doctor they called was Fleming, the one that developed penicillin, the same gardener's boy that had saved Churchill's life from drowning in a swimming pool. And Churchill made the statement that rarely has one man owed his life twice to the same rescuer. Well, I think tonight how Jesus Christ has given us physical life and second of all, given us spiritual life, and he has saved us from spiritual death. We're no longer dead in trespasses and sin, and he saves us from eternal death. We don't have to go to hell. We owe it all to him. We're twice saved by Jesus Christ. That's the blessings of being saved. Are you with me now? But look again in Romans 12, 1. Not only the blessings of our salvation, but secondly, he talks about the basis of our salvation. By the mercies of God. That statement instead connects us to the word therefore. The word therefore connects us to the preceding 11 chapters. But he tells us in verse 1 that all that we have and all that God has done for us is by the mercies of God. You've often heard someone define grace as God giving us what we don't deserve. That's grace. All the things we enjoy tonight are things that have been given to us by God and we didn't deserve one of them. But mercy is the opposite. Mercy is we don't get what we deserve. And the truth of the matter is tonight, if I got what I deserved and if you got what you deserve, we would still be condemned and we would, we would still be lost without God. But mercy gave us, did not give us what we deserve. And all